she leads, she thrives. The home of inspired conversations, practical and creative wisdom, expansive leadership and business insights, abundant braggadocious moments of celebration, and useful info you can actually do something with. You'll hear about mindset, marketing, money, magnetism, self-awareness and the Thrive Factor framework, its archetypes and more. Amplify your role as a leader, a self-led soul. Tap into your effortless success zone. Turn your ingeniousness and wisdom into profitable income streams. From solo shows to guests you definitely want more from, there's something for every ambitious, ingenious soul. I'm Shannon Dunn, a true OG of the business coaching space with an obsession with thriving. You are so welcome here. Let's dive into today's episode. Great big hello, everybody. I'm Shannon Dunn, your host here at She Lead, She Thrives podcast and a leadership and business coach from way, way back. I have another amazing guest to introduce you today, and I'm very excited to see what Anna and I end up talking about. We connected mighty recently. It was really only you know, literally a few weeks ago from when we were actually recording this episode to share with you all. Um, but I think I, I'd seen a couple, at least two or three people in a very short space of time, Anna, share your content on Instagram. I was like, you know, the curious me is like, who is this woman? Like, and like what you're reading was like, oh, I, she's weird. So on the same page here, who is she? And that's where I kind of went and looked and sticky beaked in more of your content and reached out to you and went, yes, this is great. So very, very cool. So let me share Anna's bio and then we'll dive into a conversation so you can get to know why she's here. I think you'll work it out pretty quickly. We've got a lot of things um, in common in terms of our beliefs and thoughts about the coaching industry. So Anna uh, Squelch is a women's life coach and business mentor guiding women through compassionate self-discovery and self-leadership. She's a host of the Full Circle podcast, a trauma-informed breathwork facilitator and a gal on a mission to bring slow, sustainable and ethical practice back into the coaching industry. Very, very excited. So shall we just dive straight in? <laughs> Do you want to tell everyone like first where you are in the world? I am in Auckland, New Zealand, so you may, depending on when you listen to this podcast, you may have heard that we've just been underwater yeah. over the last couple of weeks. We've had some sort of unprecedented yeah. rainfall, but most of the time it is a beautiful place to live. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would love to spend a lot more time in New Zealand than I actually have. So, yeah. And I love this kind of notion of connecting with so many incredible businesswomen around the world because there's going to be so many cool people to visit the next time I get travelling more. So, yeah, it's very, yeah, but very strange for you, you guys to have the flooding that you've just had. So, yeah, this may be, you know, a few, few weeks to months away when you've listened to this. But if you haven't, go and Google, what is it, Auckland floods, and you'll see some horrific images of what happened. So, so kind of like I was like, which where do we start? Because there's so many things to to dive into. But in looking at your content and connecting with you and just the chatting that we've done, um, I can see that you've really changed your focus in terms of your coaching um, to talk more about ethical business practice. And that is, again, a huge thing that I'm like, yes, we need more of this. So much more of it needs to come. Um, and that's definitely one of the things that made me kind of connect and, as I said, want to know more about you and who is this woman behind these really awesome posts and content, sharing this and highlighting this. But I'd love to know a bit kind of the background, like what activated this view as a, this needs to be talked about. Yeah. Mm. Where do you start? I don't, I don't even know, you know, you know how you come to this point of realization and you're like, how did I actually get here? It feels like 
how did I never know this? And how was I never this version of myself? And it was, I would say, so I've been in the coaching industry about five and a half years and I'm actually semi on my way out at the moment. I've made the decision. Yeah. yeah, made the decision to go back to the corporate world where I started, um, where I was before I started my coaching business. But um, I still plan to use my platform to educate mm. other, you know, entrepreneurs around um, ethical business. And just as a disclaimer, I don't have a background in ethics. I didn't even know what ethics was until the last sort of year when this conversation started to become really front and center. And it was probably about six months ago when someone shared some content with me mm. around, I, I, I think it was, I don't know if you know Seeking with Sattva, um, Marguerite, an incredible account. She's, she's taken a bit of time away from social media at the moment. And then also Eva Collins from Why Don't You Say Something. Yes. And I started seeing these accounts and this was, this was the first time that I'd ever seen any accounts um, and people sort of critiquing the coaching industry and starting to talk about ethics. Yeah. And so I was consuming this content as all of these sort of pennies were dropping and I was thinking, oh my God, like this is why it's felt so icky for so long. Mm. And it had felt that way for probably, I would say 18 months. I'd just been, you know, sort of gently stepping back and thinking this just doesn't feel right. Right, right. And I'd noticed the same thing and so much so I, in your conversation does have it in my own like I've been a coach for well two decades but in my own business 18 years mm. it's been a lot of shit right a lot of good stuff and a lot of real crappy stuff over the years and I would say it's about been about the last 18 months or two years and here we are like early 2023 where I felt very almost disenchanted with something that I loved and like this is weird what is going on so again those of us that I uh, guess maybe hopefully the ones that are going to make really lead the charge with the change are paid attention to our kind of how we're feeling about stuff and yeah. speaking up about it so yeah it's definitely that last couple of years for sure yeah and it seems to be around the pandemic where things really sort of ramped up in terms of you know the the insane pricing the financial the predatory pricing practices the um yeah just all of this the dysregulation in the industry people not having any qualifications let alone a coaching qualification um people without you know, trauma certifications saying that they're now trauma healers. And so to answer your question, it was just, it was actually through other people sharing this type of content on Instagram. And it just landed with me. So it was just this real moment of validation of, um, I had been gaslighting myself for so long thinking that I was the problem and I just wasn't getting it. And I wasn't trying hard enough. And I wasn't, you know, having these six figure months. And I centered myself in that problem of like, it's a me thing. Yeah, and it's just, just this real moment of validation of I'm not the only one feeling this way. There's actually hundreds of people, and there's this entire community that's building. Um, my not that this is the point, but my engagement and my um, you know my followers and yes. I have had so many new followers in the last six months after sharing this type of content, and that has not been that has not been the plan because I'm not actually selling anything. Um, but there's so many people out there who are ready for this type of awareness and this type of conversation. So I'm so excited to be having it with you. I know. And I'm so excited that there are people like you to have this conversation with, because for a long time, I said, I don't necessarily would say that I was gaslighting myself, but I was like, where do I have these conversations with people? And do you agree with you that the pandemic changed the dynamic in the coaching landscape for sure? 
I can understand it, right? You, if you're looking around and you've either been made redundant or made very aware for yourself and made a choice that the maybe paid employment you were doing previously is not for you moving forward or you just need something extra and you start kind of the side hustle business, coaching is a very easy thing to look like you just go into because you kind of, you know, someone tells you you're good at something and they'll tell you you could be a coach and teach others to do it. Well, coaching and teaching is a whole other, that's another thing, another conversation, but I can see how the rise of coaches was so rapid, but agree with you about the predatory pricing, the insane amounts of money that people are charging and the messaging that's going along with that, the luxury lifestyle. I've shared this a lot with some of our guests and the conversation has very much been a very topical thing for lots of people that have come on, which is great because I feel like, again, a growing community talking about it, but it was only in my memory, maybe three to four years ago that having a six-figure business was the pinnacle of, you know, from a coaching, mentoring, even a, some of the consulting work out there. And now it's if you're not having a multi six-figure month and you're not a success, it's like, you know, you know I don't want to swear, but you know <laughs> what's probably going through my head, the same as yours, right? We keep the podcast clean if we can sort of just stick a, a profanity label on an episode. But yeah, it was, it's definitely been a, are you serious? Like what the, and where are the people out there paying the kind of money that is supposedly being claimed as being invested in coaching mm. and getting help. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing around this conversation of, of you know, money and six-figure coaching and now it's seven-figure mentors and, you know, yeah. every coach you <laughs> click on on Instagram, it has it in their bio, how much money they make. And we are the only industry in the world that predicates our title, our job title with our salary, which is wild. And what has become more apparent is the divisiveness of the industry and how coaching really is sort of appealing to just one particular type of person. It's very white, it's very female, it's very privileged. Yeah. And we're forgetting about a bunch of people who could probably benefit the most from our services, mm. throwing them in the trash heap because that's, it's, it's not, you know, sexy, it's not trendy, it's not, you know, Instagrammable in your nice beige aesthetic. I know. So that's even a bigger conversation, learning about trauma, learning about trauma-informed business and how we can, you know, make coaching more accessible to more people, not even further away and more unobtainable. It's a shift that has been needed to come, I think, for such a long time, but we weren't, uh, there was not as many of us perhaps aware of this. I think that the evolution with DEI has definitely made a big impact to, to some of us, being more, and I know I spent a lot of time last year and have continued, I've invested to work again with DI specialist Annie Gatura, who's based in Australia from Nigeria originally, who who was on the podcast, I think episode seven, maybe. Anyway, she's been on before to talk about leading a more racially inclusive coaching practice or business. Um, that is definitely, I think, opening some people's eyes to that perspective and true inclusivity and true equity, not equality, because they're very different as well. But yeah, the whole, just still the pricing aspect and things is just another dimension entirely, right? Yeah. And you talked before about self-awareness and, you know, self-awareness as coaches, we come into this work through our own sort of spiritual journeys, I imagine. And, you know, self-awareness is such a big part of this journey that we go on and, and it almost becomes, it almost, the pendulum swings too far that way in terms of we become so self-centered and so self-aware, it's all about the self we forget about the community. And so what we're seeing now is a lot more um, of the hyper individualism and the individualistic 
practices and messaging and beliefs and doctrines that are coming out of this industry where it's just all about me, 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 me. How much am I earning? What am I doing for myself? Am I flying on a luxury jet? And we're forgetting about like helping the community. Right. So it's it's really there's there's been a shift from client focused to I'm promoting my lifestyle so people will desire to have the same and therefore pay me to show them how. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not outcome driven and it's not client or human, human centers, like you know, the human to human and that whole notion of needing to remember that people buy from people mm. is a person. Yeah. And all of their life and family and everything else, their values, their beliefs that is on the other end of every transaction that is ever made, whether it's a few cents or whatever crazy numbers that, you know, are being asked for by some coaches out there for sure. Yeah. 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 Let's see where we're going to go next. Well, I've seen you using the phrase spiritual capitalism in your content, right? So let's just put that in my head. I was just about to say spiritual capitalism. Let's just put it there, right? Tell us what you mean by this because I know I have an understanding of it. It doesn't mean that the listeners do. So tell us what you mean by this and let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so again, disclaimer, not <laughs> not a sort of capitalism expert and I am still learning. Yeah, well, that's um, you are. At least yeah. you're learning. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm learning quick and I'm applying quick as well. And, and I think that's a really important piece of this is like, what are we doing to actually integrate these lessons and learnings into our business and changing behavior? That's not it. just teaching. conversations are great, but if you're not taking action, mm. conversation even happen. Like it's like that. What do they say? If the, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and no yeah. one's, you know, or and various other versions of that. But yeah. like if you're only just having the conversation and nothing else is happening, is it mm. really purposeful and useful? Probably not really. So, yeah, so yeah. Tell, us, tell us about like your view and your understanding through your own research. Mm. Capitalism because it's a really powerful phrase. <laughs> I love capitalism, capitalism itself is very much growth focused. It's about more money. It's about growing GDP. It's about, um, you know, essentially profits over people at the expense of the environment, at the expense of, you know, relationships, at the expense of, of social, you know, mm. our social well-being and our welfare. And the wellness and self-help and spiritual industries and communities have really, you know, picked up on this capitalism and are running with it, which is where we're seeing the, it's all about how much money you're earning and it's all about more, 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 more. And there's this real lack of satiety or this feeling of enoughness. There's, you know, you're not seeing coaches saying, actually, I've, I've earned enough right now. I'm just going to give nice. back or I'm just going to yes. sit back or I'm going to focus on something else for now. It's it's this real trajectory of this uptick of. That aspect. And then the other thing that I see that, again, gets me very riled up is a standard response from a coach, particularly in the business space. A, you know, let's remove whether they're qualified or not or, or and or have business qualifications and expertise, um, mm. anything credible to offer, but that if somebody is, wherever somebody's at, the immediate kind of solution to everything is raise your prices. Yeah. Raise your prices, raise your prices. It's kind of feeding into this yeah. in way. Yeah. yeah. That's the solution. No, and there's this whole rhetoric around charge your worth. And Yes. Somewhere along the way, we've equated, I say we because I've been in this industry and I've probably been part of it, but we've equated our self-worth with our net worth and, and there's business coaches out there, sorry, my dog is just starting to have some noisy dreams, um, <laughs> that or she's agreeing with us, um, where it's all about, you know, raise your prices because it's going to show how much you value yourself and how worthy you are. 
but nowhere else in business does this really exist. It's about charging what you can actually command based on your own professional experience, your qualifications, your expertise, what you've been able to, the you know evidence that you've been able to get through your own you know client case studies or testimonials, and then also what the market can bear. Mm. And people are kind of forgetting that last part of like, just because people are paying it, it doesn't mean that it's right or it's ethical or it's, you know, what you should be doing. But equally, not that I am ever going to suggest. I like to believe people are truthful. I know that that's also a very naive view of the world, but I like to start there and believe that until proven wrong. Uh, but the prices that are supposedly being paid, none of us know if they are actually being paid on a consistent basis yeah you know if if you had somebody transact large five or six figure amount to work with you as a coach if that happened once is that something to use in your marketing forever more that you are being paid that you get paid that amount of money yeah right it's kind of and allegedly 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 there are certain coaches who are paying their mentees to put up a screenshot of how much they're paying them just to kind of create this image of if this person paid it you know then everyone else will yeah and so going back to the spiritual capitalism piece it's the astronomical pricing it is um and also the extractive nature of it so extracting from resources you know all of these coaches flying business class just for a holiday and you know all of the the resources the that they cars, the luxury wearing, the luxury cars, the the handbags we would call them in the southern hemisphere, purses in the yeah. northern hemisphere. Yeah, yeah just kind and of then, what I've got. And then we look at the people as well, the ex- exploitation of overseas cheap VAs. You know, and so when we start to look at this big picture of how these coaches are really exploiting people, they're exploiting the environment, they're exploiting, you know everything they can put their hands on that's where spiritual capitalism from for me that's where I'm, I'm seeing it sort of transpire yeah yeah for sure um the other thing that I think that relates to that is the whole association with MLM so multi-level marketing and the coaching industry right yeah. I'm seeing this in it I probably first saw it mentioned probably about that 18 months ago, but I see it more frequently these days. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit because it it, it kind of made complete sense to me when I saw that reference. Um, And, you know, when you spend time in this industry, either as a coach or as a consumer of coaching, I don't think if you've got your eyes open that it's very hard to work out kind of the the food chain, if you like, the where it's kind of driven from and who's working with who based on how brand, like the visuals, the language, everything changes very right, very quickly. Oh. Yeah, like it's it take me two seconds to work out where someone's learning from or coaching, who they're mm-hmm. coaching with, what whose programs they're doing. Yeah. So yeah. MLM as in coaching. <laughs> I mean, it seems to be like quite the short pipeline from MLM to coach to business coach to wealth coach to, you know, and what we are discovering is that a lot of these high ticket coaches do come from an MLM background. And there's a reason why MLMs for ever have been under scrutiny and have, you know, had a lot of legal cases (laughs) against them. And, you know, a lot of MLMs have been sued and um, it's because of this cult-like predatory culture that exists within MLMs and that's just sort of trickling down into the coaching industry. And like you described before, it does look like a pyramid. It does. There's a big dog at the top 
and then there's all of the, the little flying monkeys underneath and the price is you know it's priced accordingly yeah the, the big dog at the top has to have the highest prices and then it's kind of it, it trickles down and yeah we it's just a cookie cutter mm-hmm. version like you said the branding looks the same they speak the same they do the invisible offers the same they um their entire business model looks the same I think one of the funniest moments I had was with my mastermind group. It would have been early 2021. And one of the women in that space, because I will not use the word container because this relates to the use of the word container. And she said to me, like, none of these, none of my clients, I, I, I work with maybe 20 or less than 20% of my clients are actually coaches. Yeah. Um, but she, so none of them were, I think maybe there was one anyway, small group of women in this mastermind. And one of them said to me, can I ask you a question? She goes, I feel weird asking it, but what the hell is the use of the word container in relationship to coaching? And honestly, we had the funniest conversation. And then she said to me, when I read that, I feel like someone sticking me in some piece of plastic and, and slamming a lid on the top. And if I'm lucky, I've got a lid with an air hole so I can breathe. Right. And I I kind of understand the use of the word potentially. But again, so that's again, the languaging is coming from a certain place. Um, There's so many words. I did, I wrote a um, blog article and published it last year around the commonly seen terms in the coaching industry and what they really mean. So if anyone's mm-hmm. listening to that, you want to go and read it or can't find it, let me like, message me or send you the link. It was quite fun to create. Yeah. But even so, it's like, and I've sent it and so many people are like, oh, now, now I get what I think they're on about because it's like just made no sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And part of my, part of my sort of education around this unethical coaching space last year was learning about cults. I started going down the cult rabbit hole and, and you know, listening to um, a little bit culty, sounds like a cult. I read a book called Cultish. I watched The Vow. And once you learn more about cults and about cult behavior, it's it's like they have their own language, like container and quantum leaping and, you know, all of codes and... I was like, yeah, codes, transmissions, downloads and... Yeah. <laughs> entire coaching thesaurus. Yes. You know, they have their own language because it makes them feel more exclusive and it makes people who speak the language feel like they're on the inside and someone who doesn't understand the language on the outside. And so... The use of the ridiculous word container and all of these other words are just another way that they're essentially creating a cult. Mm, mm, very much so. I found that some of those words kind of penetrated the language in the industry so quickly, mm. um, which also fascinated me is that someone who's nerded out on human behavior and, and kind of behavioral response for most of my life. It's like, whoa, this is like, it's so rapid. But again, that's the impact of a cult. Yeah. yeah. With that, that the, like you said, the dynamics and the definition of it is a very, very common um, practice like that, where everybody starts, you know, to to adapt, to belong, the language has changed, you know, the, in, we see it in, in, again through branding and things as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so interesting. So let's talk about those people out there and, I don't necessarily think that they're necessarily an increasing number, but they may be. I feel like maybe they're speaking out more who have had a, an, a, a terrible experience with coaching in some regards, coaching, guidance, mentoring, you know, all of the different words that various people use for what really is a form of potentially a form of coaching. Um, 
not usually because I don't actually understand what coaching is, but, you know, we, we, we get, we're on the same page. We understand that. But, you know, what, you know, what, where do we start with recommending to someone who feels like they've been harmed by an experience that is re- with our coach or a coaching group or coaching organisation and not receive what they've signed up for? You know, where do we start in terms of those people knowing that they have a right to speak up and ask and hopefully get a resolution Yeah, so my first recommendation would always be to seek someone out that you can speak to and have that person validate your experience. So that might be a therapist. Mm -hmm. That might be something like um, what Eva Collins is doing with her Patreon group where we are all together in this Facebook group in this community where we get to share about our experiences and, and, you know, validate each other and and say, yeah, that was messed up. Um, So either talking to a therapist, depending, well, yeah, depending on the level of harm, but harm is harm is harm. Mm. And so it's up to the individual to decide, you know, what whether they've been psychologically. Yeah, it's such a personal experience. And I think one of the biggest things is that if you feel like something's not right, you trust that no matter the gravity of that, you trust that as a starting point. Yeah. So therapy, having someone who is completely outside of the industry, outside of your experience, who can just hold that space for you to process what you've actually been through. Because for, well, from my own experience, it was, you know, five years of working in the industry, but it was probably eight years of, you know, being in the self-development industry and and working with coaches. Um, So seeking that support and giving yourself space. And with that space piece, I would also say creating distance from that person. Mm. So if there's a coach that you've been harmed by unfollowing them, blocking them, deleting them, unsubscribing from their newsletter. And their um, opinions, like, and the kind of people who are replicating and looking and sound them yeah Yeah. part of you know part of my healing process with this was just unfollowing all coaches and just like spending way less time on social media not reading self-help books not listening to self-help podcasts like really just completely detoxing from that entire world so I could hear my own thoughts because when you're constantly listening to other coaches and this is what the industry does it's very hard to hear your own thoughts yeah, so difficult. And then if you are trying to tune in and trying to follow people that you hopefully do feel you can trust and you feel some, you know, affinity with, mm-hmm. then they start contradicting each other and then you start questioning yourself. Yeah. Okay? So you lose that ability to have that discernment and to know that, I guess, what you think and feel is yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And that part of it, you know, regaining self-trust and regaining your own self-discernment because, you know, we can often blame ourselves for investing in the coach and paying that money and, you know, not seeing the warning signs and there can be a lot of self-blame. And so I think self-care is such an important part of this. And obviously that would take place in therapy, but then also um, alone, you know, like really coming back into self-trust, getting back into what makes you feel like you grounding getting back into nature connecting with you know your self-care practices outside of um, other people and then seeking reparation and this is the part that scares people the most because many of us are conflict averse we don't want to ruffle feathers we don't want to rock the boat and from my own experience i also questioned whether i was right to be feeling this way yeah and so there was a period of a very regular, I don't like to say normal, but a regular response to have that questioning. Yeah. Yeah. And I have so many people reach out to me and they say, oh my God, I got fucked up. I got messed over by this person. And I, you know, this happened and this happened and this happened. And I say, well, have you asked for a refund? Yeah. Oh no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, you know, it's been so long and I just, I feel bad. And so there's this real like 
want for justice, but this like just this lack of ability to follow through with that. And so I hope that the more conversations we're having with this and the more we're validating people and saying, actually, that was messed up. You shouldn't have, you know, you shouldn't have been harmed in that way. I hope that it empowers more people to seek that reparation. So first port of call would be reaching out to that coach and requesting a refund saying, I wasn't happy with this. This wasn't delivered on, um, you know, whatever the reason is and trying to have as much evidence as to why you're requesting a refund as possible. You know, this is what it said on the sales page. This is what it says in my contract. This wasn't delivered. This wasn't fulfilled. Um, or it's simply, you know what, that entire course was just fluff and, that that can be a good enough reason. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because we see so many examples here where I certainly have of people, either there is no contract, which again is a huge red flag. Don't go into anything if there is no terms and conditions clearly displayed and available for you to keep a copy of. Mm. Um, and or there are, is maybe a contract or terms and conditions, but they say things like, you know, no refunds available. In a lot of countries, that's actually illegal to not offer a refund. Okay. Some countries might be different. So, again, you need to be mindful. We don't need to all step in and become legal experts on terms and conditions and contracts, but have someone in your own country that you could go to to ask about what you've signed and whether or not there is, you know, somewhere. Because I've, I've certainly I've had people say to me, but the contract says, and I couldn't go against that. No, the contract may not actually be legal and ethical yeah, yeah. We'll make them up yeah. <laughs> um and yeah. a lot of coaches as well are putting a non-disparagement clause in their in their contracts as well so that you can't talk negatively about them online that just fascinated me when i said <laughs> that coming up um yeah. that yes if you dare to have an experience it's not exactly as i've told you you will have you yeah. cannot say anything. So again, it's that, you know, sh shutting people down, putting their kind of the gag on them, quietening them, mm -hmm. a relative of who they are. And thank mm -hmm. goodness that people are like, no, you cannot do that to me. We need to speak up. And putting themselves into a space of visibility and potential threat in some regards on different levels for, for saying this is not okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And then the final piece, if you don't get any, you know, I've, I've heard of a lot of clients being blocked and deleted and the coach just doesn't respond to them when they've requested that refund. And so the next step is that you can go to your bank or your merchant or PayPal or Stripe and say that the services weren't rendered or the services, you know, weren't what you paid for yeah. and you can request refunds that way. And I've heard of people getting refunds two years later through Stripe or PayPal. Yeah, that's good to know. I've mm. never had to do it. I don't even think I've been close. I think I just, it's pure luck after this long in the industry as a mm. consumer of coaching as well as, as delivering it. Um, but I think it's important for people to understand that you are not alone and you do not have to sit there believing that you just have to suck it up and deal with it and go into self-blame and self-shame around your decision-making. Um, but again, I think it's very easy to understand why people go to that space because again, you look at the messaging that comes from a certain part of the coaching industry is telling you that if you don't commit, then, you know, I invest in X thing that I've got available for such and such and whatever, um, that you're not truly committed, that you're not all in, you're not going to be a success, you're not this, you're not that, you're not, it's all this negative, you know, again, telling people that they are not enough. It's creating that sense of the scarcity and the FOMO and there's so many different variations of it, which just breaks my heart when I see that and it's like, oh, you know, 
or you've you've gone down that path and that's your messaging. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's real fear-based marketing and scary. You know, the people who are on a journey and the people who are seeking coaching are usually in a vulnerable space anyway. Yeah. And you know, we have all of these coaches putting themselves in this position of authority, this position of power because of their lifestyle that they're flaunting and so it's easy to create that unhealthy power dynamic where you're giving that person the power to tell you exactly what you need mm-hmm. and losing your own sense of discernment in the process. And so I think one of the most problematic, I mean, there's so many, but one of the most problematic pieces of this um, conversation that we're talking about with coaching is a lack of um, informed, what's the word? I'm, lack of informed purchasing decision, a lack of informed you know, consent in the purchasing decision. We're seeing a lot of coaches who don't have sales pages, who, right. you know, don't have an e-learning platform that sort of explains exactly what you're going to get and how to use it. We've got coaches who are hosting their programs on YouTube. Mm. Um, and there's this real taking people's power away by not giving them enough information. We see that with the invisible offers, you know, that people don't know what they're buying, but they feel like they should. You really trusted yourself. You just, for whatever this X amount of money I've stuck on this invisible offer that I didn't even know what it is yet. That's why I'm not telling you. I know when I first started seeing those, I was like, are you you serious? Like, so we're excited that they bought them. I was like, it just made me think about you in a whole different way. Yeah. And there's so much anecdotal feedback of people buying those invisible offers and then feeling just so dissatisfied and so upset with themselves for trusting, you know, for, for handing over this money. Mm. And it's and, illegal in many places. Right. Again, that's just as a side point of importance. <laughs> it is illegal in many places. It's it, you having seen messaging, marketing kind of related messaging, it's evolved, but I feel like there's still the underlying kind of tones or themes that have come through since I've certainly first been in business. And a lot of it does draw on people's sense of missing out. So the fear of missing out, that mm-hmm. scarcity, the 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 shame, the labeling, the judgment if you don't take action. And then you see those things like invisible offers or the pricing where the price will go up every hour or every half hour. I've even seen a version of this price will go up every 10 minutes. So the more you wait, Right. I don't even know how they're even managing that in their back end. But anyway, because it's I haven't seen a system yet that could do that. Um, but those kind of things it's just, it's just really challenging to see that. And you see people go, you know, fretting because they are not sure how they're gonna create some money to even get a first payment. Another mm-hmm. thing that I find really challenging is the penalization for payment plans. That if you you take a payment plan because it works better with your cash flow, feel safer, you feel more secure to be able to pay over a period of time, that you're paying an exorbitant amount more than if you pay in full upfront. Yeah. And what the underlying message is, is that you're rewarding people with privilege. You're yes. rewarding people with access to that money right now. And, and yeah. you know, privileged people... <laughs> privileged yeah. people are already privileged. They don't need more rewarding. They no. don't need more head pads. No. So that was that was one of the first things I implemented in my business was taking away those um, payment plan penalties. And now the price up front is the exact same as the payment plan, yeah. no matter how long that payment plan is. Yeah, I've done the same, Anna. And another thing that I remember being encouraged by many coaches to do was the early bird kind of offer of the, you know, really give people an enticing way so they'll, you know, invest early. I felt shit every moment of every time I ever tried that. And mm. I changed it and decided early last year 
that I would stop doing it. And it kind of eked back in for a little bit. And I'm not even sure what happened, like where, where I was on that, because I was so clear about why not to. So that's gone for good. There will never be early bird pricing or any enticement of you pay at painful or you pay earlier and you get savings that way. Because it's just, again, it's penalizing people that don't have the money. And some people, even if they've got the money, they like to pay things off over time. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, it's just managing cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. Like a business does. Yeah. And with the, the, I guess the, the other thing, the awareness of the nervous system and particularly in relationship to money, I think that's even more important. And having, I don't know if you had, but I certainly had my own experience where making an investment that wasn't going in the way that I hoped it would for my business. So it became very hard to pay every month. And the impact of that on me personally mm-hmm mentally, emotionally, physically, and therefore the way that flowed through to my business was not okay. Yeah. And I know as much as I do now about what, clearly what was happening to my nervous system and that, you know, threat of how do I make sure I can make this payment? Where is the money coming from? Um, yeah, and that we see happening a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's almost talked about as if it's something to be celebrated of, you know, the more dysregulated you feel in the purchasing decision, it means that it's the right thing to do. You know, you're on the edge of a breakthrough and, you know, it's, it's people are almost being conditioned to believe that the more, you know, anxious they feel about something, the more right that it is for them, which is mm. just simply not true. No, that's it. Not true and not okay. Definitely mm-hmm. not. So Another question that you shared with me that you said would be that you'd love to be asked, you know, why is it not enough to just stop doing unethical business practices? Like what needs to come first? So I'd love to get your view on that about, you know, what has to proceed Mm. practicing more ethically in business and practicing more ethically in the coaching industry. Because I think they, yes, they're related, but they are different things to consider. Yeah. So a lot of people will maybe listen to this conversation that we've had today and say, oh, okay, I just need to remove the penal the penalties from my payment plans and then I'm done. And I just need to like do a few different things in my business and stop using, you know, fear-based marketing and I need to, you know, whatever it is, do a few of these tactics and then I'm good. And that is one very small part of it. But what we need to do first is really understand why these practices exist in the first place. Why are we using scarcity and FOMO pricing? Why is there price gouging? Why is there, you know, all of these different things that we've deemed as unethical and and why do they exist in the first place? What is the culture that's created this? And so from my perspective, learning about capitalism, learning about, you know, trauma-informed care, learning about um, systems of oppression, learning about the patriarchy, white supremacy, like all of these different kind of um, systems of oppression that have created this monster in the coaching industry. Just having more of a grasp and an understanding of why that exists in the first place. So it's going to the real roots rather than just sort of like slapping a Band-Aid on a, a problem because then it becomes more behavioral, cultural change and it becomes industry change, which is what we're rooting for right. versus just some more kind of like great tactics that we've slapped on something. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, completely get where you're coming from there. And while we've both talked about a time that we were very aware that is similar where we noticed changes, this is just the symptoms of something that's been brewing for a very long time. As you said, it's it's about what is the actual systemic cause of what we're seeing. And, yes, we're seeing it. And you see, I don't doubt that things happen in other industries, but you and I are not in those industries to know the ins and outs of what's happening. 
what I hear is that it doesn't happen on the same scale because there's so many other industries where uh, services are provided, where there's a kind of a notion of helping others are regulated, whereas the coaching industry is still unregulated. Uh, there's no pricing guide. There's no expectation about what is and isn't okay for a lot of things. And I think that we've also had a, a rise of people into the industry that have looked at what they can see online and decided that that must be how you do it. So not taking that time to educate themselves, like you said, on the origin of some of the messaging and the pricing structures and different things like that, that are actually evident out there and thinking it's motive, like it's using it as inspirational motivation to inform the way they work as a coach, not realizing how screwed up it is, or they've been a consumer of it and think they get also that that's normal. Yeah. They've been okay as a consumer of it and gone, well, this is what my coach did for me. So that must be what we, what you do. Mm. No. <laughs> yeah, and if I can plug a couple of um, really valuable resources, um, Ra- Rachel K. Elber's podcast, which is called Marketing Muckraking, and she goes into the history of marketing and advertising and like right back to the roots of, of marketing and advertising and why it is the way it is. And um, she has some incredible conversations. And then Ash Rising on Instagram, she has a blog called yep. In Sacred Space, and she just puts out some incredible researched resources um, and blog posts on her blog. I've learned so much from her. Um, So those are two really great places to start. And then there's a book called um, Degrowth by Jason Hinkle, which is all about anti-capitalism. Those are three that I would really recommend. And something else that I just want to tack on here as well. What we're seeing a lot of in the coaching space is this overly sexualized messaging oh, and yeah. <laughs> we're going there we are going there we're seeing uh, we're seeing women sort of you know stripping down on instagram and you know getting naked and um overly sexualized messaging and and which is is all well and good you know i'm sex positive i'm sure you are as well and it's not about that but we've got these women who are co-opting the women's empowerment the women's liberation mm-hmm. movement without realizing that what they're doing is actually just another form of patriarchy and, and, you know, and acquiescing to the male gaze, the male patriarchal gaze, and they think that they're being you know, liberating. So there are so many movements that we think, oh, this is just new and it's, you know, it's, it's Tantra. But if we look at the roots of it and where that came from, it actually came, comes from a, you know, a not so great place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And yet you're right. That again, this has been something that I feel has been a sudden rise in the number of coaches, female coaches that I say don't see any male coaches doing this, but female no. coaches. Can you imagine? Right. Can you in, imagine? Andre in um, you know, the kind of half naked posing, you know, that seems to be covering up, but there you actually see an awful lot more than I would I need to see on a coach that I'm going to hire for business. Um, using phrases like climax to catch talking a lot about the more orgasms you have, the more money you'll make, these kind of things. And, you know, again, I I truly believe some of them think that that's the reality. But what is it actually saying to so many other people who have got a whole lot of other things that 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 just may be activating and triggering a whole lot of stuff for them? Mm -hmm. And yet, as you said, highly likely claiming that they're being body positive, you know, and being um, empowering and, you know, liberated as women. But, yeah, really? Yeah, it's it's not business. No. And I'm no. not suggesting we need to be all straight, tied up in suits and ties and things to be 
considered professional and ethical and credible in business either. Yeah, again, it goes against stream. Again, it goes against informed consent. You know, you're scrolling on Instagram at looking at business things and then, oh, someone's naked and someone's writhing around having sex with their partner on Instagram stories. And it's like, where is the consent in that? And like you said, if a male coach was saying, you know, your dick should be hard Mm -hmm. thinking about your offer, we'd be up in arms about it. Right. I know. And it's so interesting, (laughs) isn't it? There are definitely a, um, I can't even say double standards, it's just very different and, I don't know, not even diversified because that's even a wrong word as well, but standards that, if again, if it doesn't feel right to you to consume that content, stop consuming it Yeah. Uh, um, for whatever reason that is. Yeah, definitely. Boundaries. You can go into so many different things. So I've asked every one of our guests to share what you think your superpower is. Like if we, you know, and and I've loved the different answers that have come up. And you shared with me, Anna, that you feel like yours is seeing the bigger picture and in what you're doing and how you've evolved as a coach and even the consideration to step away from the industry really, to me, affirms that, that, you know, that is like, it's like, yeah, made complete sense reading that. But tell us more about why you feel this is your superpower and how it's supporting you to get this message out there. Mm. I feel like I can just really zoom out of things and see, I don't know, you know, just see the bigger picture of things and see all of the pieces and why they kind of fit together and, and also see the longer term impact of why, you know, if we kept going this way, what that would look like. So I'm a projector in human design. It's apparently quite a projector trait where we are like the bird that's up on the power line looking down at things and, and kind of seeing that bigger picture. And I'm an Aquarius as well. And we have real sort of like long vision and we also think and see outside of the box. So I forgot that I answered that, but um, yeah, I would say that's what it is. I actually had my birthday a couple of nights ago and um, everyone who was at my birthday shared something that they really valued about me. And it was the one that kept coming up was authenticity as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's just an important part of this is. Love it. In um, the cornerstone of my work, which is that the Thrive Factor is a, an archetypal framework that I created for women around self-leadership. Um, mm-hmm. Going back, I've been using it in my business 14 years, and there is one archetype in the 12 in that framework that is called the visionary creator. It's one I have, but of the th- over 1,000 women that I've profiled using that archetypal framework, there would be under 30 visionary creators. It's a very rare archetype, but she also has that gift for seeing the big picture and understanding the futuristic impact of it and how to kind of bring the lessons from the future into the present. So Mm -hmm. highly likely you could have that archetype with that gift. Also the liberator engineer is another archetype that can see the big picture and understand how all the moving parts fit together. So, you know, just for some little insight there into potential Thrive Factor archetypes you may have, because we all have between three and six in our own unique Thrive Factor profile. So, and I do see projectors have those kind of archetypes showing up from, from that, if I map it across to human design. So, yeah, yeah. Love that. I have to do it. Yeah, love it. I'll send you a link. <laughs> so I've got some questions I want to ask you now that I've been asking every one of our guests and it's been great to hear, again, the diversity of the answers that's coming through and also some of the similarity, which feels to me like such a, a great thing that we're expanding in our understanding of certain aspects to do with leadership and thriving, but we still are claiming our own uniqueness around it, which is a big part of what I stand for, is that we are who we are. We don't get swayed and lost in the bigger voice of the the universal world or whatever we want to call it. 
So the first question I have for you is what role does leadership play in your life and business? Oh, what role does leadership play in my life and business? I self-leadership is a term that I started and a practice I started sort of learning about in the last couple of years. And it's something that I have loved diving into of, and I think it goes hand in hand with self-awareness, like really knowing myself, knowing what drives me, knowing, and I, I've done a little bit of NLP in the past, but I, I know that that kind of has its roots in sort of some bad places, but learning about hinging points and you know what are the hinging points that need to be in place in order for me to kind of thrive in order to meet in order for me to be in my leadership and for me it's about spending a lot of time alone (laughs) um so yeah I can't even remember the question it was around leadership yeah what role role does leadership play in your life and business so that's the projector I'm already like waiting there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm out there in the future somewhere. It's all right. I have yeah. that archetype, so I actually know what that's like. So yeah. it's like bring it back ground to grounded to the present yeah. moment. I think for me, it would just really tie in with authenticity, like really knowing myself, really attuning to my own needs. And yeah, just I, I don't know what that's going to look like in my business mm-hmm. next because I don't know what my business is going to look like next and how much of it I'm, I'm going to hold on to. Um, but leadership for me is just going to be in this next season is just about authenticity mm-hmm. and truth yeah. and sharing more of that. Beautiful foundation to start with as you then, you know, evolve into whatever the next kind of expression is of, yeah. of you in, in your business and in, in your, your place and you're using your voice in the world. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, that Thrive Factor framework is actually, I talk about it as a self-awareness and self-leadership framework. So both, you know, Make complete sense <laughs> when I read that you shared those those different things in your bio as well. The next question I have for you, honey, is how do you know when you're thriving? I don't feel anxious. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel I feel grounded. Yeah. I feel like I'm meeting just my basic needs. You know, drinking enough water, exercising, seeing my friends, and a lot of the time in my coaching business, I was not switching off everything was to do with my business creating content podcasts i was just giving all of myself to my business and not really keeping anything for myself and it was this real sense this feeling of resentment yes so when resentment isn't present when dysregulation and this anxiety and this constant sort of go 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 overwhelm isn't present when i just feel grounded and at peace that's when i'm thriving beautiful love it all right, so anyone who is listening is, is is ready to walk on that journey with you as you do and like kind of, I guess, evolve into whatever that next iteration from, you know, business is, where can they connect with you? I know you're big on Instagram. Well, that's really the only place I've seen you. So, but how can people connect with you? Yeah, so Instagram, which is Anna Squelch. Um, I have a podcast called The Full Circle Podcast, but it's about to be deleted and then I'm starting completely yeah, fresh. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm going to keep the name, so it will still okay, be called Full Circle Podcast. But I plan to share a lot more about how to access self help and wellness and coaching safely. Um, so that will be coming very soon. Once I once I find a little little piece of time, and my website is undergoing a revamp, so that's annasquelch.com. 
All right, brilliant. So by the time this goes live, I'm sure all of that will be in place. And if not, just hang in there. Anna's coming. She's on her way, right? She's she's going to be sharing. But we always share all the links in our show notes anyway, so people can find you very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, very, very cool. And I think, you know, with the, the different in numbers of people that I follow that are talking more about ethical business practice and ethical coaching. As I said, your content for me was very easy to understand. I have an understanding of this through my own lived experience and my own desire to to kind of not call it out, speak about it. But compared to some content I've I've read and and listened to, where it's like you kind of just make it even more confusing. What you're sharing is very straightforward and very easy to digest. So if anyone is kind of like I'm not really sure where to start, I would definitely encourage you to follow. Anna and go back and look over her posts from some time ago, not just any current content that she's sharing through Instagram for sure. All right. Before my pleasure, hun. So, and before we wrap up for today, thinking about what we've talked about today and what's really important to you. And I feel like what you're really illuminating and bringing the truth to what's a final piece of wisdom that you'd like to share with the, you know, ambitious impact driven souls that are tuning in today. My gosh, I would say do less, like do less of the consuming. We we can consume so much information and kind of going back to that point that I mentioned before, mm. the more that we're plugged into lots and lots and lots of different voices, the less that we can hear ourselves and the less that we can hear ourselves think. And, and I think that, you know, after the three years that we've been through, it's busy. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot going on in the coaching and wellness and self-development space. I think it's a time to really just unplug, mm-hmm. get back to simplicity and, and just hear yourself think. <laughs> that yeah. would be I love it. That's so cool. And I think anybody who has, if that's just resonated with you, if you felt that in some kind of bodily space, then even consider that you may not need I think the word need anyway is something to be mindful of, a coach or a mentor or a guide right now. Nope. You know, this is me saying here, this is my business. <laughs> you know, I, people pay me to get coached and to more really to learn and be, you know, supported in different ways. But if you feel like coaching is not for you for a period of time, go for it. No one's ever said that you are going to be more of a success or less of a success or whatever your definition of how you want your life to play out because you did or didn't invest a certain amount of money or work with a certain person. So trust yourself more. I think, yeah, when you've got the space, you can learn to do that. You can learn to be more discerning. You can challenge when there's like no sales page. So you really don't know what you're signing up for and and, and follow the bodily instinct that says something not right about this. Mm. That is a guide to say no. Yeah. 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 Money over. (laughs) Yeah, so many of my clients at the end of last year when we came to the end of our um, program, I said, don't do anything else. I don't think you need anything else. I want you to go and have fun, go and have a break, go and watch some reality TV, read some fiction, like just go and live your life. You don't need to constantly move on to the next thing. There's this is real fear of losing momentum. And I don't, I don't think that that's a thing. No, no, I, but I can see why, again, because it's perpetuated by the messaging out there, why people think that. Um, and I, I said, yeah, right. And, and I certainly see that for some people, they can accelerate what they want to achieve with the guidance and support of actual genuine coaches, yeah, but yeah. not everybody. Some people don't. Some people get so distracted, mm-hmm. um, which I would also see as a, a, you know, a sign that the coaching that they're investing in is actually not coaching as well. If you're not progressing, uh, if with whatever it is that you are working towards or wish to achieve or change or do or whatever, 
then it, possibly that person or that program or that thing is not right for you. Might be for others, doesn't mean it is for you. Yeah, it's not one size fits all no, at all. Never, never. No quick fixes. That's another whole episode, right? We can even get like no quick fixes, empty promises. We see too many of those out there. But anyway, I have loved talking to you as I knew I would. So thank you so much, Anna, for joining me and thank for co creating this conversation that we'll be able to share with the She Leads, She Thrives listeners. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. I hope that you have really receive some great insight and really challenging yourself to think and consider differently about what you're doing moving forward as you do either if you are a coach or you're investing in coaching because I think this this kind of a conversation is as useful for consumers of coaching as it is for those who are actually coaching out there in the world and I've said that with a few of the solo episodes that I've shared earlier in 2023 and we'll continue to say it so Thank you for listening in though. Follow Anna. As I said, go and go and digest all of her great content. Anna, I look forward to staying in contact with you and sharing this with the world very soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. You are so valued and appreciated. Aside from this podcast, my favorite place to hang out online is definitely Instagram. So come and join me, Shannon underscore the Thrive Factor. And no, my DMs are always open for genuine questions and connections. For all the latest Thrive Factor goodness, visit thrivefactorco.com forward slash links, where you'll find more about thriving in life and business. Be sure to subscribe and rate the show and share it with your friends. Let's amplify thriving the world over. 